0: Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in.
1: Our first reading today is from the book of Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: We're in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. John the Baptist, ready or not, here he comes. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham.'" Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> I'm going to read a Shel Silverstein poem that should probably be framed and posted inside and outside of every child's room. Listen. Listen. Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out. She'd scour the pots and scrape the pans, candy the yams and spice the hams. And though her daddy would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. And so it piled up to the ceilings, coffee grounds, potato peelings, brown bananas, rotten peas, chunks of sour cottage cheese. It filled the can, it covered the floor, it cracked the window and blocked the door. With bacon rinds and chicken bones, drippy ends of ice cream cones, prune pits, peach pits, orange peel, gloppy glumps of cold oatmeal, pizza crusts and withered greens, soggy beans and tangerines, crusts of blackburned buttered toast, grisly bits of beefy roasts. The garbage can rolled on down the hall. It raised the roof, it broke the wall. Greasy napkins, cookie crumbs, gobs of gooey bubble gum, cellophane from green, bologna, rubbery blubbery macaroni, peanut butter caked and dry, curled milk and crusts of pie, moldy melons dried up, mustard eggshells missed with lemon custard, cold french fries and rancid meat, yellow lumps of cream of wheat, At last, the garbage reached so high, and finally, it touched the sky. All the neighbors moved away. None of her friends would come and play. Finally, Sarah Cynthia Stout said, okay, I'll take the garbage out. But then, of course, it was too late. The garbage reached across the state from New York to the Golden Gate. The hour now is too late. But children, remember, Sarah Stout And always take the garbage out. That's right, Shel Silverstein. You can find it in your bookstore on Amazon.com. So today we are dealing with some mess. It is John the Baptist who has come to tell us that it's time to take out the mess. Well, let's back up a little bit. We're in chapter 3 of Matthew. And we know John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus'. His parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were told that they were going to have a child in a miraculous way. They were old in age, past the age of bearing children, when they are told that they will have John. So Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, gets pregnant first, and then Mary, about six months later, we think, is told that she will have a child in a miraculous way that will change the world, and John will come first to prepare the way for this child. Did John and Jesus grow up together? We're not sure. Were they friends? Were they family? Probably family. Did they know each other? Don't know. Maybe. But what we do know is that John the Baptist takes on the role of Elijah who the Old Testament tells us will precede the Messiah. The very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, the very last chapter in, in chapter 4 says that Elijah will precede the Messiah before the day of His coming. And so our Jewish friends in their Hebrew Bible would always look to Elijah to precede the Messiah. And so for us, John the Baptist played that role. The one who came before who was not Christ, even though they thought he might be, he wasn't Elijah, although he played that role. John would have gathered disciples. People knew him. So here he comes out of the wilderness as we see him in our mind's eye, kind of crazy, disheveled, camel skin, leather belt, locust and honey, which we had at this morning's breakfast. It was delicious. Coming from the wilderness, ready Convicted, called, mission in place, ready to do what he's been called to do. Often that word wilderness can also mean a time of separation. It could mean a time of trial for us in our lives. We speak of difficult times as times of being in the wilderness. For the Israelites, remember, they were free. They came through the Red Sea and then spent 40 years in that wilderness place, not having found their homeland yet. But it was in that place that they rediscovered God, even though they turned again while they were there. Remember the whole golden calf. But it was in that time that Moses brought down the Torah. It was in that time that they reestablished their relationship with God. So that when they came to that time of claiming the Holy Land, they were ready, they knew their mission, they knew what God expected of them, similarly as John the Baptist does here. And for us that are in moments of wilderness, know that you are not alone in those places. Although God led them into the wilderness, God never abandoned them in the wilderness. God was always with them, holding them and guiding them. It is true with us today. So John comes out all crazy looking. John isn't too concerned about the Christmas tree and the tinsel, about stockings over the mantle, about getting our Christmas cookies and bakings all right and ready to go, what we're buying for who, who's buying what for us. John is of single, focused mission. And that is to prepare for the coming of Christ through what what one word that we associate with John the Baptist other than baptism? What does he tell them to do? What's that? Repent. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Repent is one of those old churchy words we're not too crazy about. It's one of those words that takes us back to a time where it was all focused on judgment and wrath, a time where we focus on our guilt and our shame, and certainly those aspects are still present with us in our faith journey today. But to repent simply means to turn back to God. Or find a new way of thinking. Seek a new direction in life through Christ. A Greek word, metanoia, simply to turn or to turn back. It's a new start. It's not magical, but it is amazing and grace-filled. John comes and tells them to repent, to get ready for the coming of the Christ child. They don't quite know what they're getting ready for, but John does and is helping them prepare. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, is near. It's getting ready to happen, John says. Another way to think of the word repent, if we don't like that or like the associations, I think a better word is transformation. That when we open ourselves, when we do the hard work of looking inside ourselves to clean out some of that mess that Sarah would refuse to throw away and get rid of, when we open ourselves and courageously look at those things that separate us from God, this is the work of transformation that's possible for us. Sometimes we're comfortable in our chains, we know those things that separate us from God and keep us from being the people that God and even we want ourselves to be. We get comfortable there or can be. But God is calling us to something better, something higher, something truer. Tony Campolo, author, pastor, says that we need to be saved from those things about ourselves that cause us to hate ourselves. We need to be saved from those things in ourselves that cause us to hate ourselves. Now, I hope we don't hate ourselves, but the meaning is true. What are those things that you know, gosh, if I just wasn't like this, ah, I'd I'd be rolling. Why Why do I do things like this? Why is this part of me sometimes take over these other parts of me? These are the things that we are called in a, season of preparation to address. There was a pastor who talked about buying a, a lake home in northern Florida, and their first visit, he went, went to the back and went to the dock where the bank went down into the lake and noticed that the entrance of the dock was completely obscured by a bramble bush, thick vines, thorns was high so much they couldn't, they couldn't push through it or past it. So on that first quick visit, they kind of cut it off right there, allowed themselves a little airy to get in, fine. A few weeks later, they come back and it started to grow back. So they knew they had to go deeper. So they go into the root system in the bank, and while they weren't able to get all of it, they cut out most of it to beat it back so it knowing it would need to be addressed again, but not for the time being. Our struggle with our own shortcomings can be just like that bramble wood, bramble bush. We can be taken over by our own sin and even be comfortable with it. If we say, well, that's just who I am, well, there's a certain joy in claiming who you are and be proud of who you are, absolutely. But when these thorn bushes take us over, so that we can't be who we want to be or who we believe God and Christ are calling us to be, then we have to beat these things back. We will never be sinless in this life. This is an ongoing process. And certainly this is a yearly opportunity to stop and to cut those thorns and vines out. With help, with courage, With passion to know that when you can do that, you will be more truly able to welcome the Christ child at Christmas. And then John sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, these were kind of those who were in charge of keeping the laws and regulations of Israel. One of the things in John the Baptist God is doing already, it's starting to do things in a new way. Like today, much of the center of our communities are in the cities, whether those are the downtown areas, the financial districts, the theater, the arts, all those things often are downtown, certainly uh, politics, government located in the cities. That was, those were the centers of power. John comes strutting out of the wilderness with his camel skin on. Poor people wear camel skin. Little legs and things hanging out of his mouth from his lunch. He eats poor people food. He is from the margins. He is not from within the center of power as even Isaiah and some of the other prophets were right there together with the kings in their palaces, John the Baptist comes from outside. He doesn't go to the temple and say, come to me, I'm gonna preach to you there, we're gonna baptize there. No, he's out at the river. And so the Pharisees and the scribes, or the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they see this as a threat already We're starting to see what's going to happen to Jesus in just small piece of what happens to John the Baptist. He would have already had disciples, would already be leading them, what they would have seen as away from temple life. We do our ritual baths, but we do it at the temple. We do our atonement for sins, but we do that at the temple. You don't go out to the river for some guy that's just stumbling out of the wilderness to do the things that we've always done for hundreds and thousands of years as a people. So already God is working through John the Baptist to say things are going to be new and different. And already a threat is is lurking for those centers of power who come out to see John, which is why right away he looks at him and says, you brood of vipers. He's not addressing that to all the people there, specifically to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because he knows they are against him and probably have already spoken against him. How dare you come out here pretending like you want to be baptized? The Greek word, uh, uh, a preposition, uh, uh, epi, trans, transliterated E-P-I, epi, can mean coming for baptism or coming against baptism. That same word can mean for or against Thank you, that's very helpful. But it may very well be that all the people there came for the baptism, but these Pharisees and Sadducees came against the baptism. Because again, they were being threatened. This was unacceptable for how their faith works. And then John brings in some more of the so watch out, you' better, you' better, you better, you better not. If you don't repent, guess what's going to happen? Acts at the root of the tree. Things are going to get bad. But the negative association to repentance, I think, is misplaced. Repentance is a gift that God gives us. It means that we can come home when we've been away. It means that when we take the time to look within ourselves and do the work and not just expect God to do everything for us all the time in every case and when I see my name on the billboard that says I love you pastor Dent then I'll know and believe but instead if we are if we are in relationship with God and walking with Christ seeking to be filled by the Holy Spirit then we're looking inward to prepare ourselves, which is cutting away that bramble bush, it is beating back that which can take us over if we never address it. We are awesome and amazing people that God has fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is the time of year that we are specifically focusing to prepare our hearts and minds to be transformed by the coming of the Christ child. It's not about guilt. It's not about bad things we've done. It's about allowing ourselves to be transformed. Walked into the kitchen at home yesterday. I know what, nobody was in there, but there was a mixing bowl with several sticks of butter and a giant scoop of sugar on it. What was going to happen here? I don't know, but I knew it was going to be good. Was that going to be cookies, a cake, a pie, some kind of pastry? I I don't know. But I know that something good was going to come from those pieces. What has to happen for that to become what we want it to be? Well, more ingredients put in. We have to put it in the oven so it will then transform into something spiritually gooey and yummy. If we shut ourselves down from the hard work, which here would be the oven, the fire, the refiner's fire, it is in that process of hard work, of difficulty, of opening and examining ourselves that we are transformed into what God, our creator, here the baker would have us be. So then we can go and serve the world in His name. Repentance is transformation if we allow it to be. It's not just in our hearts, but in the world as well. It is hands-on preparation to let others know that Christ is coming and that things should be different. This is a new start for us, a new world for us, a new beginning for us rooted in this infant that is preparing to come in and break in to the world. So let us do the hard work. John the Baptist is that butter and sugar Not finished, but pointing to something else and something amazing is coming down the pike. He is saying, take this time to repent, okay, or allow yourselves to be transformed. Look within and serve without so that others will know too that something different is happening and that you are renewed, revived, and refreshed through the coming of this Savior. Hallelujah. Amen.